Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. If you are seeing something that's constantly being touched by a number of different people all of the time, you really should be very careful about those. I don't want to remind you of something that you probably try not to think about, but have you ever wondered how many germs are on public transit? Well, licking is bad. I mean, that's rule number one in microbiology. Do not lick. I'm Nikki Wright-Meyer, and this is why. There are two types of people in this world as I see it. People who carry hand sanitizer with them absolutely everywhere they go. And then those people who shrug off germs and say, "Eh, that's just going to help me build up my immune system. Okay, maybe there's three types of people in this world because I think I fall somewhere in between those two. I guess you could say that I subscribe to the ignorance is bliss school of thought. I mean, I try not to touch too many different surfaces when I'm on the bus or when I'm on the train. But at the same time, I'm not overly cautious about it. However, it was ever so kindly brought to my attention earlier this week that maybe I should care just a little bit more about exactly what I'm touching and how I'm touching it when I'm on public transit. So here's the story. I work on this podcast, of course, and I also work on a morning radio show in Vancouver. And I was headed off to work the other morning when I was kindly stopped by a transit employee who had some advice for me. I told my co-host, John McComb, the story on the air once I got into work. (laughs) Uh, Nikki joins us this morning because this very morning... Mm-hmm. You were given some health advice on the train. <laughs> so I was getting on the train this morning and I had my, my bicycle with me and I, you know, lugging it down the stairs. I kind of throw my compass card between my teeth and you're trying to balance, you know, the bag that you got on your back and carrying this heavy bike down the stairs. And a transit employee came up to me and she said, uh, hi, excuse me, do you mind if I give you some advice? And my first thought was, oh, you know, what am I doing with my bike that I didn't realize I was doing? You know, what rule was I breaking that I didn't realize I was breaking? And she said, please, please, please do not put your compass card in your mouth. <laughs> and I hadn't even realized that I had done it because, you know, you got all the stuff in your yeah, hands yeah. and you throw it between your teeth and yeah. the way you go. And she goes, I just cringe every time I see it because she said, think about every time you touch that little compass card to the swiping machine to get between the gates it just picks up more germs she the said every accumulated detritus yeah. of every transit rider in 
Metro Vancouver. I'd never thought about it before, but she said, oh, she goes, I see kids putting it in their mouths, and she goes, I just cringe every single time. All right, keep your compass card out of your mouth. Put it in your pocket <laughs> yeah, where big, it belongs. Yeah, Come big on. kid. Yeah, big kid. But it's interesting. I was doing a little bit of digging about where you'll find sort of the most and the least germs. Did you know that computer keyboards have more germs than, drumroll please, a public toilet? Kind of makes sense, though, because public toilets do get cleaned fairly regularly. Most normal public toilets have a cleaning cycle. But your keyboard, I mean... Keyboard, my keyboard at home, is it should, a, it should be a, have a biohazard <laughs> screen around it. It's awful. I was looking at it yesterday. Oh, my God, i got to get a new keyboard. This is terrible. Right, all the crumbs and all the, the lint. Yeah, and, and I've the, had it for ugh. like 15 years. Or oh, something. wow, like, Jesus. Man, it's the generations Jesus. of crap living there. It's like, the germs now have grandchildren. I know, the they graduated germs. from college <laughs> already. It's, just, it's terrible. Yeah, gross though, right? And then they said, um, if you go into a hotel room, what do you think is the cleanest part of the hotel room? Uh, the soap dish. Yeah, like no parts of the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I had to think. Uh, the light switch is the best of the worst. It's all terrible, apparently, but the light switch is the best of the worst because that gets wiped down fairly regularly. The dirtiest thing, the TV remote control. Oh, of course. Ugh. Because, oh, well, I'm not going to do Yeah, because we don't want to talk about that. I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> Nikki Reitmeyer here on the John McComb Show. Coming up, we're going to talk with Mike Smith. find out more about the germs we come in contact with, specifically on public transit, I called up Jason Tetro. He calls himself the germ guy. Jason is the host of another Curious Cast podcast, The Super Awesome Science Show. Hello. Hi, Jason. It's Nikki calling. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I think I finally got myself a little spot away from the background elevator music. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm at a conference and uh, Craig Kielberger is just finishing up. So uh, I, I've got a few seconds. So I figured, ah, let's have some fun. Interesting. Well, as much as I would enjoy a little like da 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 in the background, I'm glad that you found a nice quiet spot where we can chat for a minute <laughs> or two. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, you're at a conference, which I imagine is a hotbed for germs. Oh, yeah. I mean, everywhere I'm looking, I am just thinking, yeah, I really want to have my hand sanitizer close. And I do. I mean, I carry it everywhere I go. But, yeah, you have to realize when you have high traffic of people, no matter where you are, you're going to be having lots of germs shared. Now, I was on public transit, and the transit officer told me, at first I thought I was in trouble for something, because she came up to me and said, hey, can I, can I talk to you? I thought, oh, God. But it's because I had my, my what we call a compass card, our transit card, um, in mm-hmm. my mouth, since I had, you know, my hands full, and she said, oh, God, please don't put that in your mouth. It is so full of germs. And I'd never thought of the, the transit card, the tap card that we use to be covered in germs. Is that something that would really transmit a lot of germs? Well, it really all depends. Um, first off, in order for there to be transfer, there has to be contact. So uh, w- when I'm in Toronto, like I am now, I have a Presto card and I'll just like I'll tap, but I only tap with like the very end corner so that there's not contact. Mm. But even if there is contact, you are going to have a little bit of transfer, but not a heck of a lot. Now, if you happen to be licking your card, (laughs) then there's a very good likelihood it's going to be wet. And if it's wet, then it's going to pick up germs. And then those germs could go back in your mouth. So 
The thing is, you want to be careful about how you are putting something in your mouth and how much it's touching, especially if it's wet. So general rule of thumb, keep the compass card dry, tap just the corner of it, and don't put the whole thing in your mouth or lick it. Well, licking is bad. I mean, that's rule number one in microbiology. Do not lick. So right off the bat, just don't be doing that. But the other thing is, yeah, you want to be keeping it dry. You want to be keeping it safe. Um, And if you are going to be tapping, just try and, you know, don't push it on there and, like, try and get as much pressure, five kilograms per square inch or something. Because if you do that, yeah, you're going to get transfer. And, And the reason I use those specific numbers is because that's what we used to do in the laboratory. I know exactly how much you have to push in order to transfer microbes. But the fact is, is you don't need to know any of that. Just hover gently. It'll tap. It'll ring. It'll go beep. That's good. Now, for those on the bus or on the subway who are listening to this right now, as they look around, what surfaces will they see that are like no-go zones? Do not touch those surfaces because they are hotbeds of germs and disease. You mean other than people? Because quite honestly, the people are the worst. Uh, But the the thing is, is that if you are seeing something that's constantly being touched by a number of different people all of the time, you know, so we've got the the poles that you hold on to, uh, you've got the little um, uh, grips on top, those types of things, you really should be very careful about those. Not so much about the seats or the windows or anything like that. But yeah, if there's a lot of people touching it, then you're going to want to be conscious that there's probably going to be quite a bit of germs. And if it's still rainy or if it's, you know, cool outside, then there's the potential that there may be people with colds and allergies and that type of thing. But the fact is, is, you know, just don't put your hands in your mouth until you've used some hand sanitizer and and you're good to go. Good rules for adulting. (laughs) Actually, that's really what we tell children. (laughs) We're trying to get, I mean, quite honestly, let your inner child come out with your alcohol hand sanitizer. (laughs) Jason, thank you so much. I'll let you get back to the conference uh, and avoid those germs. (laughs) No problem. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Coming up later in this podcast, we're going to shift gears a little bit. No more germ talk. We're going to talk instead about Canada's most beloved cocktail. The Caesar turns 50 years old. She literally said, this is my story. And she showed a photo and she said, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And she has a sleeve tattoo of a Caesar. You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. Download and subscribe online now. Some people consider the Caesar to be a hangover cure, a cocktail to drink in the summertime on a patio or on a dock at the lake. Others consider it to be the most disgusting drink they have ever heard of. But whether you love them or whether you hate them, the Caesar, I think, is a Canadian invention we can be proud of. And this year, the Caesar turns 50 years old. Sherry Zielinski is the co-editor of a new book that is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Caesar. It's titled The Caesar, 50 Years, 50 Stories, celebrating a half century of Canada's national cocktail. 
Basically, the authors of this book asked Canadians like you and me from across this country to send them stories about why they love Caesars. Well, it is. You, you kind of uh, hit the nail on the head there. It's a pretty special moment. It's something that it seems people are celebrating from coast to coast for sure. So one of the projects that took place was the creation of a, of a book which really collected stories from Canadians from coast to coast. So it was 50 stories from 50 Canadians because one of the things we realized as talking to Caesar lovers across the country is it seems like for every Caesar savored, there's a story shared. You know, we kind of we kind of joke about that because you say, would you like Caesars? And immediately you get this long story from someone about, oh my gosh, you know when I had my first Caesar, you know what I think of? And that's when we kind of got together, um, the co-editor and I said, let's put together a book that really captures these special moments because, you know, what better way to sort of honor the Caesar than demonstrating what Canadians really think about it and, and really showcase how it's become much more than a cocktail, but really a cultural icon. For you putting this book together, what is one story that really stood out in your mind? Oh, gosh. There are a lot. Um, one of them was actually right from D.C. She actually got a tattoo of the Caesar what? on her arm. Yeah, and her story was very short because she literally said, this is my story, and she showed a photo, and she said, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and she has a sleeve tattoo of a Caesar. That's, that's how passionate she is about the dream. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So- that to me, that was a lifelong commitment that uh, that kind of went above and beyond. But there was another one in BC too. It was a girl, um, a couple, and they were engaged, and they were shooting their engagement photos. She said that the photographer wasn't quite getting the photo from them just right. They were looking really uncomfortable, and they said, "Well, just look comfortable. What what do you do to be comfortable?" And they they said, "Well, we always have Caesars." So they went and got a Caesar and had it in their hand, and their engagement photo was them holding a Caesar. <laughs> That is incredible. I didn't realize there was such a commitment to the Caesar that exists across Canada. Oh, it is unbelievable. We've heard about people who have hot tub rituals with their families. There's like Caesar war traditions where they go head to head with recipes from coast to coast. There's people who've just built Caesar bars um, specifically to hold all their Caesar fixings and done in a specific way for Caesars versus your regular bar cart. It goes, it literally goes on and on. There's even love stories where people have met over Caesars. You know, it does, it does seem to go on and on. But the one, I think the one story we heard the most when we spoke to people was always, I travel with the fixings for a Caesar because they seem to get so frustrated when they leave Canada that you can't get a Caesar anywhere else. And a lot of people tend to not know that this, that the Caesar is really a Canadian thing. You leave Canada and people don't know what you're talking about or you request a Caesar, you'll get a Caesar salad or you'll, you know, you'll get a Bloody Mary, which nobody wants. So people who are traveling and love their Caesars have figured this out. So you'll often hear stories of them packing bottles of Mott's Clamato and Worcester everything in their suitcases so that when they get to their destination, they can have their Caesar. And there's one great story of a guy who um, was in Thailand and he brought along a bottle of Mott's Clamato to have a Caesar and when he pulled it out at the bar, there was like three other people who popped their head around and said, Canadian? Are you Canadian? <laughs> and it was all of a sudden everyone gathered and it was like it, was like it brought the Canadians together in, in Thailand, of all places. Kind of warming to the heart. They say that, you know, you should travel with a Canadian flag sewn on to your backpack. And now I guess the new version of that is just bring a bottle of Clamato juice with you no matter where you go. Yeah. So people know that you're Canadian. <laughs> It's so true. It's an immediate connection. It's quite funny. And then everybody runs to you because they want to, they've asked the people, you know, share it. Can you make us a Caesar? There's actually another story of a gentleman who lives in Vancouver and he traveled to Seattle 
and would order a Caesar. And of course, they had no idea what he was talking about. So on his next trip over, he bought he brought 24 jugs of Mott's Clamata with him. He paid like $300 of his own money. And then he got behind the bar and he made Caesars all night for all the patrons and taught the bartender how to make a proper Caesar. So anytime he went up again, he could have his Caesar. <laughs> so it's some serious commitment. <laughs> now, and for anybody who makes their own Caesars, we have to talk about the importance of each unique Caesar recipe because everybody has a little twist that they believe makes their Caesar the best Caesar. That's so true. And I think that's why these Caesar wars happen from coast to coast and they, they switch them up. You know, you'll have people trying it with vodka, that's just a standard recipe, but tequila and gin and even whiskey are making huge, huge strides. Um, people like pickle brine. Some people like it really spicy. There's really no wrong way to do a Caesar. And you're right. It seems that people pass down traditional recipes from their dad and their grandfathers, even and they pass it down. So There's one girl who always talks about her dad's recipe. He taught her how to perfect it. She makes it now for friends. And she always says his his garnish was kind of the signature, whereas she said it was um, never just a regular celery or a pickled bean or anything. You know, some people go crazy with burgers. He would just want this, uh, you know, extraordinarily long piece of celery that would practically topple the glass over. And that was absolutely how his Caesars had to be made and served with his recipe. So he didn't perfect the recipe. That was a problem. But then on top of it, you had to have that very long piece of celery. (laughs) Now we have to talk about, of course, the ultimate Caesar story, which is the creation of the Caesar. Now this drink comes from Calgary, right? It does. Yeah. It was created by a gentleman named Walter Chell in Calgary. And he was a a, a, bar, a general manager there at the hotel and they wanted him to come up with a signature drink. And so he kind of was like smart bartenders do today. He took his cue from the kitchen and he went in and he saw that they were making a tomato vongole, you know, a vongole pasta with tomato and clams. And he added that into the cocktail, fiddled around with it a little bit with Worcester and voila, he created the Caesar. And I, I don't think he knew at that point in time how big it would become and what an icon it would turn into because um, he'd created a few signature cocktails, but that was the one that definitely stuck with Canadians. And he's no longer with us today, but his daughter, Joan Chell, um, still, I think, you know, flies her dad's flag really high about the Caesar. And it's fun if you go out and have a dinner with her and she orders a Caesar. It's, well, you know, my dad created this, you know, and it's really funny to watch everyone's reactions to that. So, yeah, Walter Chell is definitely the man who created that recipe for us. Well, he has my vote for being on the next commemorative coin that's put out by the government, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get him yeah, on we a try to get him on a stamp. We'll see if that works out. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, thank you so much for having this conversation. Really wonderful to talk about one of Canada's most cherished drinks, which is the Caesar with you. Oh, thank you so much. I was really, it's really a lot of fun to talk about it. We could probably go on and on. So uh, it's good, to be, good to cut me off when you do. <laughs> Pretty interesting stuff, right? Okay, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. However, let the record show that apparently back in 1953, a restaurant owner in Manhattan, New York, made a drink called the Smirnoff Smiler. Now, it was a mix of seasoned tomato juice and clam juice, vodka, and a dash of Worcestershire sauce. It would be another decade before a very similar version was whipped up in Calgary, Alberta in 1969. But hey, we'll still take credit for the invention of the Caesar here in Canada, right? (laughs) 
This Is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show as well as a podcast. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review too. Tell your friends about the show as well. We're on Twitter at This Is Why. You can always reach out to us via the email thisiswhy at curiouscast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 